Welcome to Moments with Deru podcast, season five, and I'm your host, Modoni. This is a space to inspire, encourage, and uplift you. You can join our community by visiting www.momentswithndero.com. Throughout this season, there will be a combination of solo and interview episodes where different thoughts will be shared, and I hope you'll grab a hold of one or two words and apply them into your lives. With that said, let's dive in. Today's guest is a risk management practitioner in a professional services firm. She is committed to continuous performance improvement and driving organizational efficiency. She is passionate about her life purpose, developing young leaders and economically empowering women in Africa. She believes Africa needs better leaders to steer the continent into a developed economy. She envisions an African continent with focused leaders and women strengthened to be the backbone of its development and growth. Welcome onto the show, Gaki. Thank you, Modoni. Glad to be here in the show today. Before we mm-hmm. take the conversation a little bit deeper, what's your earliest childhood memory? My earliest childhood memory is when I asked my father, because we were in a traffic jam, and I asked my father, which vehicle is at the very front, very front of this, uh, you know, the lane when, where we were at? I believe that my dad knew everything. And I remember him, you know, always wondering these questions this little girl is always asking me. Uh, and he says, it's the president's vehicle. Now, when I remember that, I wonder to myself, how did I expect my father to know some of the answers? So for me, it's the curiosity I had at a very young age and that I, didn't, I never shied from asking any question that came to mind. And my father was my hero. Oh, that is such a lovely story. Yes. Yeah. So is your curiosity still being um, used today? Do you still use it in your day-to-day living? Or is it something that you've decided to put on a shelf? I'm a, I like knowing how things work. So you'll find that I want to understand a new process yeah, when I come across something that I've not encountered before, you'll find me researching on it. And it's more of, I want to understand how it works. I want to understand what it's about. Uh, so every time there's a new concept or something new, I'll, I'll give an example. So like this week, I met a colleague who was telling me about um, one of the public transport um, which, which works like a Uber in Kenya, we call it Swivel. And he was ex- she was explaining to me that it picks her from our, our office and drops her at her doorstep and she doesn't have to change vehicles. And for me, I had never met somebody who, who does it, who, who uses that vehicle. I've, I'd heard of it, but I hadn't encountered somebody who was actually using it. So I actually stopped everything I was doing and she was showing me the app and how the app works and that she was seeing where the bus was and that she's going downstairs to, to wait for it to pick her. So for me, the curiosity is still there. 
uh, when I see a, a new concept, I'm always wondering how does that affect the way we are doing business now? Uh, how I, I, I'm always visualizing how things will be different because of this new change. So my curiosity is still there. I'm still interested in knowing how things work. Uh, and, and so for me, that uh, being um, an analytical, I have a very analytical mindset. So I'm always looking at different angles of an issue. So I'm, I'm very curious just to know, are there other solutions? Has this been done before? Is there a different way of doing it? Yeah. Interesting. And I guess your analytical mind plays in with your day-to-day job, which is risk management. So how did you find yourself yes. entering into this space? So when I was, uh, when I graduated, I, I actually did a computer science degree. And when I graduated, I joined one of the professional services firm. And in there, they would train you on the consulting work they were doing. So I took a liking to business process improvement, which was one of the services that the firm was offering at that time. and when we would go into organizations consulting for them on just reviewing their processes and how to improve them, I could see how we, you know, there was excitement for me in seeing gaps in their processes and helping them to improve those gaps and looking at, you know, what controls should we put where so that they can work more efficiently, more effectively. So at that point, uh, is when I started learning the the idea around putting controls is because you've identified the risks that are going to impact the business and then putting controls to um, safeguard against those risks materializing so that the business can 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 actually achieve its objectives so that's the point where I moved from you know a computer science um, practitioner so to speak into the risk management profession that now is is my practice. So then how do you see, you know, in this space for risk management, I -hmm. I can guess that it's a male-oriented space. So how have you managed to grow in such a space as a woman and become a leader in, in this space? Interestingly, it's not male dominated. Uh, you know, there is a good balance. Mm -hmm. And I think it's, for me, naturally, um, if if I look at my day-to-day living, and and for any woman who is, for instance, running their home or, you know, running their business, you find that the reason why you have extra um, tissue paper in the house is because you do not want to be in a situation where when the tissue runs out, that you know you are stuck in, you know, in a washroom without being able to do your business comfortably, or that you have extra packs of sugar. If you have visitors, you don't run out of sugar. So that is part of risk management. So it comes naturally to everyone. Uh, if if you have run a business or if you um, if you run your own life, the reason why you save money is because you know. You do not want to run out of it when you actually need it. And just managing the risk around not being able to meet your obligations when they fold you. So it's, um, it comes naturally 
And in, in, because it needs that meticulous attention, I find that even the department I work in, we are more uh, female uh, risk managers compared to the number of males. So it, it requires also a level of attention, a level of, um, uh, you know, being meticulous so that you're able to look at all the risks that, uh, you know, would be facing you and looking for solutions or controls around it. So I wouldn't say that, it, you know, I found it to be more male-dominated. And in my, in my view, I've never really thought about, um, you know, um, my male counterparts being, say, like a competitor for me to accomplish my dreams within the risk management profession. So I would say it has, it has not, it, it, in fact, until now, it has never occurred to me that I, I, I could be in um, a profession that is not necessarily, uh, you know, welcoming to females, so to speak. Yeah. And I guess it's what you've just shared ties in very um, perfectly with the word that you shared or the phrase that you shared, taking ownership. Um, perhaps mm. why you didn't recognize all of that is because you told yourself, since I'm playing in this sphere, I want to achieve my goals. I'm going to take ownership for this journey that I'm working on. Yes. Mm. Yes. It's, yeah. And, and, you know, this is something that um, you'll find that a lot of people who are committed to what they are doing, really what they've done is that they've taken ownership. So if you enjoy what you're doing and you want to see how that, that you accomplish the objectives of it, then you'll be very enthusiastic, energized about it, and you'll be pursuing it with everything you have. You'll always be looking for a solution. So for me, yes, taking ownership is one of the things or one of the um, characteristics that have helped me even to learn, uh, you know, what it takes to be a risk manager. Mm. The, the fact that I wanted to become better gave me the motivation to go back to school and actually study as a risk management professional. So that part of I want to grow and I am taking responsibility for my growth I, I am interested in this subject. I am interested in helping the organization I work for achieve its objectives. And so I took ownership, knowing that I need to play my part for the bigger picture to be achieved by my employer or the organization I work for. Yes. So in your profile, it says that you are passionate about developing young leaders and empowering women and you know, you believe that Africa needs better leaders. But I think one of mm. the things that are lacking in our leaders today is taking ownership. Um, what's yes. your view on this um, life purpose of yours and how can we make our leaders take ownership? So um, in 1999, I remember I was in high school then and I was quite frustrated when, you know, you would watch news and you'd see uh, you know, the, the, the leadership and how they are speaking and the decisions they are taking and how it's impacting, you know, the country. And I was convinced that if only we could have better leaders and leaders who took responsibility to make sure that their people, you know, are taken care of, if it is about hospitals or schools 
or you know institutions that actually are working then we need leaders who take ownership and they see that the success of their country is their responsibility so and that is where the passion for developing leaders uh, grew and that's why since then any opportunity i've had to speak to young adults to you know encourage them into becoming better leaders or making that choice to become better leaders for me it's because i have understood everybody is a leader in their own capacity you don't need a title to be a leader the thing is you need to take responsibility for the part which you have been put charge for and that is taking ownership and making knowing that nobody else is going to come and do what you are you've been asked to do you are the one responsible you are then taking ownership if each of us take their position and take ownership of what we are doing then we are uh, communally building a better tomorrow for us and for the next generation but then also um i when when i think about the woman i see women being quite committed first at the family level and and you know uh in africa the woman uh, generally takes on the the role of you know the home but more and more we can see women taking on leadership positions women have been uh even from the past have been running businesses and at the same time they are running their homes they are taking uh, leadership positions in the community and for me i feel the, the the women when they do this they do it with a lot of passion and knowing that it's not just for them it's for their children it's for their neighbors children that they are actually pursuing something so that they can have a better tomorrow so for me empowering the woman to be able to achieve her dream uh, you'd hear there are studies that say if you give the shilling to a shilling to a woman or uh, a unit of a monetary unit one monetary unit to the woman it spreads through the community faster because uh, they, they tend to share a lot within the family it goes into the family into growing the family and all that so i am very passionate about growing leaders because i feel when we have better leaders uh, uh, then it means that there'll be responsibility taken at different levels uh, in the country in in across the states in africa and even for the women as the backbone of our economies that they need to be empowered so that they can even do more for our society you know my mom was so passionate about women so when i hear someone like you saying talking like this i'm just like yes 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 yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> and mothers actually inspire her. my mom has inspired me so much because the things she does sometimes i go like she actually you know she has so much energy and and not just that when i look at my grandmother her mother and the things that she's been able to achieve then i look at my mother i actually feel that i am not you know i need to do more because you can see the limitations they have whether it's from a point of education mm-hmm. a point of resources they have made sure that i have it so for me it's understanding that if if i have all this and i empower other women 
to get the education, to get the exposure, to get the support they need, then they will indeed achieve even more. So mothers actually uh, in our society are an inspiration to look up to. They truly, they truly are. So what's Mm. one challenge that you faced in your leadership journey that you're willing to share and how you overcame it? Uh, let, Let me talk about not feeling that feeling the feeling of inadequacy feeling that you don't know yeah and for those who naturally are perfectionists there is a certain level of uncertainty that comes with being thrown into a new task that you're not familiar with that you have no experience in that requires you to apply yourself and you do not know what to do or where to start. And in my career, I have had to be pushed to such positions so many times. And uh, I, I, I could say like in the last one year, I was put in a position to uh, you know, review some policies and apply them and help the business manage risks around those policies. And for me, it was really difficult because there was a lot of of that work required for me to do immediately and I wasn't really given the space to learn. You know, the way you say, okay, you'll be, say, on apprentice for so long. So it was more of you learn on the job. And I was afraid of failing. But then I got to a point, I said, look, uh, this is not the first time you've been pushed to the deep end. What do you need to know? And so there's, there's that part of overcoming the fear. So making sure that first you overcome the fear. Then realizing that this job has been given to you and you have to do it. So accepting or uh, seeing, accepting that this is my responsibility now. I, everybody is expecting me to do my piece so that they can also be able to achieve their peace and there's no time to train you you go ahead and train yourself so i re- i i did um apply myself and said look you can read policy you can understand policy so invest time in reading invest time in researching uh, then the other thing was my networks so i had built networks across continents And there are people who had been doing similar roles for a long time. So building those relationships, networking with them, and, you know, having them help me to understand the role that I'm playing and also being um, tactical enough not to be a bother to them, that I am continually learning so that I don't ask the same questions over and over again. So I was pushing myself to learn. And then also making sure that, I am conversing with my, uh, my my supervisor every so often just to be sure that I'm on the right track. So that is one of the challenges I have recently faced. And, uh, you know, in line even with the topic we are talking about today, had I said, well, you, you didn't train me, uh, this is new, I'm not going to apply myself to learn, then, you know, I, I would not have grown to where I am today where I'm saying, ah, one year ago, this thing was very difficult for me. 
But right now, I know the right questions to ask. I know, you know, how to apply the policy. I know how to interpret it. I know how to guide teams on, you know, on it. So it, it became my initiative to learn, my willingness also to learn, and taking that initiative to know that the role I'm playing here, it sits in this place in the organization, and I need to do it well so that my organization can achieve its objective. So that is one of the ways that I would say uh, in, in, in just overcoming the challenge of, of that fear of uncertainty, of the fear of failure, the fear that I'll not be able to achieve that which I've been asked to achieve, uh, that, that I've been tasked to do and thrown in the deep end. And, you know, just taking that uh, ownership of it's my responsibility. I know these are the things I could do to upskill myself. And I'm going to apply uh, myself. I'm going to engage all these people that I have networked with and so that now I'm able to grow. So there's that willingness of growth that uh, is critical. Yes, the willingness is very critical. And, you know, interacting with young leaders, that is one area of their lives that they still need to put in the effort, the willingness. You know, most people don't Mm -hmm. want to apply themselves. They don't want to take the extra time to learn more. So how do you encourage young leaders to take ownership, to apply themselves into situations and to be willing to learn? I think, first of all, uh, if I am speaking to young leaders whom I know that are listening, if, if they are still wondering what, what taking ownership is, it, it actually just means knowing that getting a task completed is not someone else's responsibility. It's your responsibility. And I think it needs, they, a leader, first of all, needs to accept that. They need to accept responsibility for what, they, what has been put in their hands to do. They need to have the spirit to follow through with something. So not doing things halfway, but knowing that this is the end, understanding the end that we are trying to achieve. Seek to understand why it is important that we achieve it and then go the whole way to achieve it. The, the young people sometimes, you know, they, they, there's a lot of individuality that I've, I've seen, um, you know, with the younger generation now that, you know, someone just wants to do things by themselves. But understanding also that we work even better and we go further in teams because we are able differently. So first, understanding where you, where, what task is being assigned to you is the first level of taking ownership. But then understanding that you work in a team and just because you, you completed the tasks allocated to you and others are struggling doesn't mean that you have achieved the objective. So at, uh, taking that ownership of saying no as uh, a leader, I am going to make sure that we achieve our objective. It's understanding we are five in this team. I have completed my task, but my friend, colleague here is struggling. How can I help him? Because for you, a comp- follow through means that we actually get to achieve the end goal and make sure that each one of us has done their 
their bit and has achieved it. So taking the initiative, being part of the solution, always providing solutions to whatever problems that you're facing in the team, all at the end of it in your <clears throat> having the big picture still in mind. We are, this is what we are trying to achieve this big picture. I have done 10% of it, but we've not yet achieved the big picture until each one of us achieves their part. So I think it's uh, for the young people, they need to acknowledge that one, there's an expectation on them and they need to be accountable. They need to be accountable for what they are expected to accomplish. And they need to show themselves trustworthy in terms of the expectation we have on you that you're going to actually fulfill it. Because what, what, what uh, taking ownership does, it builds onto your career or your, uh, let me say, aspirations. Mm -hmm. So the moment you take ownership, it becomes a growth stimulator for you. So if, for instance, you are, you are aiming at, uh, you know, leading a team, if you're given a task within the team and you're able to show that you can fulfill it, you can deliver on time, you are accountable for it, with time, they give you even more responsibilities. And so you're able to grow into that which you're dreaming too. So there's also for a young person to understand that taking ownership is also beneficial for them as an individual. They have the opportunity to grow. If, it, if you're working in a corporate uh, setup, there's career progression. Is Taking ownership helps you to progress in your career because you're given more responsibilities. You're uh, given better opportunities to get exposed to new things in the organization. And then you can be able to achieve your, you know, the promotion that you're looking to. You know, you have said so many beautiful things. And I hope the dear listeners have picked up one or two. And mm -hmm. as we shift gears in this conversation, I just want to ask you this before we, we change the, the, what, the rhythm of this conversation. If your younger mm -hmm. self was seated across you, what would you tell her? Mm -hmm. Don't fear. I think fear held me back a lot from you know, let me call in quotes, going for it, mm. you know. The fear of failure, the fear of what will other people think, the fear of losing what you've, you've accomplished so far, the fear of losing friends, you know. And, and, and when you look back at times, when I look back, I realize, yes, fear is good because it helps you to, guard yourself from doing, uh, let me call them stupid things. But then there's a fear that is crippling. Mm. When, you're, when you're given a challenge that to you looks insurmountable, as opposed to saying, I can't do it, change the question and ask, how can I do it? So I, I would tell my younger self, don't be afraid. If it's something that is in your heart, if it's an opportunity that has presented itself and you feel you're, you're incapable or you're, you're ill-equipped for it, ask the right question. Mm. Ask, 
how can I achieve it? How can I accomplish it? And it is simple things, even, you know, um, for instance, you're told there's like, there's this course that you need to take and it's going to cost you so much money. And if your first, um, uh, the first thought that comes to you is, I can't afford it. Then you're, 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 you're encouraging the wrong questions. You should ask yourself, if you've, you know that that course truly is important for you, then the question to ask yourself is, how can I afford it? So instead of being afraid of, you know, breaking the bank or going broke, ask yourself, how can I afford to do this course? Then your mind changes its, um, its trajectory. It goes into looking for solutions rather than just sitting down and saying, yeah, yeah, we can't afford afford it let's just sit back relax and you know uh, you know ride the wave you know but asking the right questions and to overcome that fear helps you to actually move further faster so that's what i would actually tell my younger self powerful words powerful words i know a few people have held on to them so we're entering mm. a round of random questions when i ask yeah. you don't overthink it just share what's <laughs> on your mind. <laughs> what would you do with $10 million? I'd invest in real estate. Okay. And the reason I say that is I have, I do my planning uh, and I've done this since 2015. Every year I plan around what I'm doing and I know that my bigger plan is in real estate. So if I was to get $10 million today, it would definitely be into, go into a real estate project. Love it. If you could interview a famous person, who would you choose? It would be Dr. Wale Akinyemi. Really? Interesting choice. Yes. Like him. He thinks differently. Hmm. If you read some of his books, like Creative Thinking, he challenges, you know, what we call normal in a way that makes you wonder, how does he think? You know, what, how does his thought process look like? Because it's unconventional. Mm. So for me, it would be him because I, I've listened to him speak before. Yes. And I've had conversations with him. But if I were to interview him, he, he, his title is Chief Transformation Officer. His conversations are about changing what is to what could be in a way that is totally unconventional. Yes, and there are very few people who think that way. What have you learned about life from children? Curiosity and fearlessness. Yes. They are fearless. Uh, children are fearless. They trust easily and they are curious and they see possibility before they see barriers. So if I was to take on their character, I'd, I'd look more at possibilities rather than barriers. Because for them, they're like, yeah, we can do this. We can do this. Uh, if you had the world's attention for 30 seconds, what would you say? There are things that people complain about there are things people have decided nothing can be done about this and they sit back and just watch 
things go wrong. But I would encourage somebody, be the change that you want to see. If something is go wrong and you are there and you have the ability to change it or you have the ability to influence change, then do your part. Even though it doesn't sound like it's going to accomplish the change that you want to be, be part of the solution. Even just speaking about the change is better than just being quiet about it. The world can be a better place, but only we can make it a better place. Yes. Where do you see Africa in the next 10 years? I see Africa will be a source of solutions to the world. Mm. There are a lot of things that are being invented. Um, There's a lot of disruptive progression that is happening within the African continent that will bring attention to the external world. I believe in the talent that is within Africa. Yes. We might have resource challenges and we might not have, you know, the kind of um, economic uh, power that, you know, first world countries have. But we have brains that are unique. We have ideologies that are unique. And also we have the drive to implement things. So I feel that in 10 years, Africa will actually be exporting solutions to the rest of the world. I love to hear that. We will be exporting solutions to the rest of the world. And in closing, is there anything still on your heart or mind that you want to share with a listener? I'd want to speak to people in leadership positions. You could be leading a team. uh, And I would ask, that you think about how you can help people you're you're supervising or you're leading to take ownership in in your department, in the business. And one of the ways is to resist micromanaging them. Uh, So for me, I would say give, believe in the ability of the talent that you have hired. Give them the gist or the direction you want them to move, but then give them space to actually be creative and to achieve your uh, given, whatever you've given them to do. Resist from being uh, destructively critical. You know, constructive criticism is good, but when you're, you're critical in a destructive way, it breaks down their their desire to take ownership. So I think those are the two parting words I would uh, encourage those who are in leadership positions. If they are struggling with teams or with individuals, colleagues who uh, just won't take ownership, I think they also need to challenge them and encourage them to be able to say, look, I've left this to you, just deliver. And Teach them and teach yourself as well not to micromanage, not to be um, destructively uh, critical of what they are doing. Thank you so much for sharing those words. 
I want to appreciate you for coming onto the show. Thank you so much. Thank you, Modoni, for having me. It was a pleasure um, just sharing thoughts and having this conversation with you. So dear listeners, I hope you picked up one or two words. For me, it's push yourself to learn and also just be willing. Be willing to learn, be willing to apply yourself in whatever spaces that you are in. So until the next episode, stay safe. Mm-hmm.